Hi there. I started operating chairlifts in 2001, working at a ski resort in the Wasatch Mountains. The ski area was hosting a racing venue for the 2002 Winter Olympics, and I didn't want to miss out. That winter changed my life, and I've been working in the ski industry ever since. I remember quite well, actually, the fall leading up to that winter. I'd finished my freshman year of college, and I wasn't sure if I was going to continue. At the very least, I knew I was taking a year off. Now, I grew up in Idaho, and as cliche as it sounds, I decided to work in the potato harvest for a few weeks that fall. I didn't yet have a job for the winter, but I knew I wanted to be in Utah for the Olympics. I was working 12 or more hour days driving a spud truck. For those of you that don't know what that is, and you might not, think of it like a long bed dump truck. But instead of the hydraulic dumping mechanism, a spud truck has a conveyor belt running through the bottom of it. If your favorite ski area has a magic carpet conveyor type surface lift, it's basically the same tech, just smaller with less children and more potatoey. Once it's loaded up, the conveyor slowly unloads the spuds onto the sorting rig. To load up, you line up out in the field along with all the other spud trucks, follow the combine, and when the truck in front of you is full, you pull up alongside the combine and pace them until they have you loaded up. You make eyes with the combine driver and he tells you to speed up or slow down so that he can maximize the load. You do this running laps through the fields, chasing combines 12 hours at a time for three weeks straight, no days off. I had lots of time on my hands to dream about the winter ahead. You go a little crazy. I was singing songs to myself about skiing Wasatch Powder. I made enough cash to pay for the first couple months of rent for the winter, and I headed to Utah in my van to hunt for a place to live and a job. Van life way before hashtags were around. I smattered Park City with job applications, with my resume's most recent position as spud truck driver. I remember I had one interview to be a bellhop at one of the highfalutin hotels in Deer Valley. They offered me the job, contingent that I cut off my dreadlocks. Yeah, the white guy from Idaho with dreadlocks. I digress. I landed an interview with a lift operations manager at Park City Mountain Resort, as it was called back then. I had my dreads pulled back and under a fleece neck gaiter that was pulled up over my ears. I got the job! Hooray! And then, when I showed up for a pre-opening staff night, the HR crew saw the dreads and said, uh, you gotta cut those or no job. I imagine the hiring manager got an earful after that hire. But you know what? I did it. I sold out. I cut them off and I started my first of several seasons as a lift operator. I remember my first day of being alone operating a chairlift. A sit skier came up the line to load a six pack quad. They were all alone. 
I remembered learning about them in training, but I'd not yet helped this type of equipment on the chair. Also, I had not yet learned that the more appropriate way to refer to this type of skier and equipment was a monoski or a monoskier. The person seemed confident. I'm sure I asked if they needed the chair slowed or a pullback assist where you reach from behind the chair and, and help get them in. At this point, I don't remember what they said. I do remember that they didn't quite clear the seat as they tried to pop up onto it. The chair pushed them right into the pit. If you've never worked as a lift operator, a bit of lifty lingo there. The pit is the area just after the loading ramp. The area where gloves and hats and goggles and phones yearn to be. This time, it was the monoskier that ended up there. I stopped the chair by hitting the big mushroom stop button. I helped the guests back up onto the ramp and we started again. Success this time. And while I don't remember them being upset, I do remember wishing I had help pushing them up out of the pit back up onto the loading ramp. The next year, the employee handbook had a more specific description of acceptable hairstyles. Dreadlocks, specifically, were on the list of nope. In the mid-2000s, I moved to the Northwest. Since then, I have been a manager of chairlifts and the staff who operate them. I've headed up human resources at one of the largest ski areas in the country. I'm not doing those things anymore. Now? Now I have a microphone. And through all these years of spending the majority of my time at ski areas in the Northwest, I know a lot of people who work at these ski areas. So I want to use this microphone and I want to link up with those people and I want to talk about it. I want to talk about what it takes to make a ski area in the Northwest happen. I want to talk about what it takes to make a ski area employee in the Northwest happen. And I want your help. All of you. All of the staff members at all of the ski areas in the Northwest. Let's build a podcast together. Let's make it about our unique jobs and about our lives. My name is Jordan, and this is it. You're on the mountain. Pacific Northwest. From here on out, we're just going to refer to it as the association, if we refer to it at all. And since we're setting the table here, I know it's not the funnest thing to hear me read a list of resort names, but 
I think it warrants it here as we're as we're just launching this thing off and really set the table for what we're doing. So here they are in Alaska, Alieska, Eagle Crest, Ski Talk and Ski Land in California, Mount Shasta, Board and Ski Park. Idaho's got Bogus Basin, Lookout Pass, Schweitzer Mountain Resort and Silver Mountain, Montana, Whitefish Mountain Resort in Oregon, Anthony Lakes, Cat Ski Mount Bailey. Cooperspur, Hoodoo, Mount Ashland, Mount Bachelor, Mount Hood Meadows, Mount Hood Ski Bowl, Portland Aerial Tramway, Summit Ski Area, Teacup Lake Nordic Club, Timberline Lodge, Wallawa Lake Tramway, Warner Canyon, and Willamette Pass. You notice I said a couple tramways there, not really ski areas. We'll get to that in episodes down the road. Hint. Uh, they do have ski lifts or trams, as it were, which also take very skilled mechanics. In Washington, 49 degrees north, Badger Mountain Ski Hill, Crystal Mountain, Hurricane Ridge, Leavenworth Ski Hill, Loop Loop Ski Bowl, Methow Trails, Mission Ridge, Mount Baker, Mount Spokane, North Cascade Heli Skiing, Bluewood Ski Area, Stevens Pass Mountain Resort, The Summit at Snoqualmie, and White Pass. Whew. Now, yeah, that's a lot of ski areas. That's 37. It's a lot of jobs in Oregon and Washington alone. That's over 15,000 jobs, many of which are winter seasonal, but many are summer also. Many are year round, increasingly so, really. Uh, in the last few years, you may notice there's a cool amount of summer activities going on in some of these mountain areas, uh, and it's really cool to see. We're going to have... Plenty of opportunities to talk about that stuff. Well, here's the deal, everybody. I've never made a podcast. I only kind of know what I'm doing. I used to put together a whole lot of end of season montage videos uh, to kind of celebrate the winter. It was like a, you know, like a video yearbook. Uh, so I'm really used to looking up at a monitor and looking at wavelengths and forms and things like that. Uh, and podcasting doesn't even have the video component tied to it. So you don't have to match audio up with people's lips moving and whatever. So I'm feeling pretty good about this. But as far as, you know, honing in on what this idea uh, has been shaping up to be, I wanted to reach out to someone with a with a journalistic mindset or background, but also someone who's kind of been in and about the industry and, and knows what it is that we're all about. So I found someone. Her name is Annie Fast. Back in the day, as she put it, she was a sponsored writer for Arcteryx. She was in on some of those early splitboarding missions up in Alaska. She was also an editor for Transworld Snowboarding Magazine for quite a while. Uh, she's taught plenty of camps up on the Mount Hood area. If you guys are familiar with any of the summer camp or, you know, their training facility, she's been involved in that. And currently uh, she's the marketing guru for Ski Oregon. And she lives in Bend, Oregon, which is convenient for me because I could just call her up. And we met near a coffee shop down the street. Well, podcast mistake number one, setting up to record her in an outdoor environment that had people walking by and coming to sit down and be part of the scene. And it was kind of rough. But hey, that's what we're doing here. We're learning to podcast together. So I'm going to play a good portion of our conversation and then I'm going to cut it out because it just got too unruly. Uh, but I think it, it does a pretty good job of helping uh, me get my thoughts out there 
and uh, have someone that kind of knows how to, to wrangle me in. And, and well, here it is. Hi, Annie from Ski, Oregon. Hi. Hi. Thanks for chatting with me today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm making recording mistake number one, recording outside. <laughs> I wonder if we can... No, but I like it. I think okay. it's, it's going to be fine. I'm just going to put the mic a little closer to you. Okay. How long have you been in Bend then, or at Ski, Oregon? I've been in Bend for four years now, and I think I've been at Ski, Oregon. This will be my third season working with Ski, Oregon. So I lived in Bend for a minute and then 95 and just had a season pass at Mount Bachelor and then uh, went back to college in Bozeman and then I worked here in the summers from 90, 90, gosh, 95 to 2000 maybe at Mount Hood. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Came back and forth a bunch to snowboard here too during those those years and came out a lot when I was at Transworld too to do the Dirks and Derby and cover events up at Mount Hood and oh, stuff. Yeah, the Derby. Yeah, the Derby, so. <laughs> but yeah, I've been with Ski Oregon for three winters now. Cool. Um, and I didn't really bring a list of questions because okay. I kind of want your perspective from your background yeah. fleshing this out and like, should I really do this? And okay. This would be like the original, <laughs> the, the zero, zero, zero episode, not even episode one. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so I think I'll just kind of explain what, what the idea is. Mm-hmm. So the thought is, I want to make it kind of like a, a resort, and it's very niche, very niche, right? Mm-hmm. So ins- little inspiration of it was Netflix has their own employee podcast. Oh, cool. Caterpillar has one called The Dirt. Uh-huh. Um, oh, wow. Tra- Inside Trader Joe's, if you've heard that. There's like there's lots of these, uh-huh. um, but they're very niche. Like It's just a dedicated small group of listeners. Yeah. So I look at the... <laughs> 15,000 so employees just in Oregon and Washington, doesn't even count, Idaho, Alaska, Montana, Mm -hmm. Alchasta. That's a lot of access, so immediately. So if we do this right, it could just immediately have a lot of listeners. Um, So let's frame it like a resort is the thought. Even the episodes I mean are framed like a resort. (laughs) Easier to harder. A green circle episode, a blue square episode, a black diamond episode. We range from talking with a first year employee to a GM. Right. Um, Maybe we say it like that on the episodes or it's maybe just in show notes or something. I don't know. But this is coming up a black diamond episode or something. Yeah, I kind of like it. Might be interesting. Yeah. Um, To lay, I think we need to really set the table first, which would be really interesting. But we have to do that before we open the door to other broader conversations. So I want to do department. Each episode is how a department functions. Uh Uh-huh. So there's the lift operations episode. There's the marketing episode. There's the food and beverage episode and Mm -hmm. on and on like that. And once we get pretty flowing into that, then we can go off piste. Piste episodes. Uh, talk to suppliers. Talk to you. You know, other people that aren't working at the resort but are stakeholders are part of the industry still. Right. Um, so that's the the majority of it. Are those two things: the department highlights and then the off piece segments, and then a mini series also. Um, that Tell, goes in depth on some sort of on each the story of each mountain's founding. Oh, okay. I think I would call it the ground up <laughs> series. Mm-hmm. And it's just like the how I built this podcast. We were listening to that. Yeah. And there's the different variations of that. Yeah. But that would be it. It'd be mm-hmm. you know how did Mount Bachelor come to be? How did mm-hmm. Crystal Mountain? How did Blue Wood? Which would be like an ever great evergreen thing to have online. 
Totally, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Some mountains already have a lot of material there. Mm -hmm. Some of the uh, folks on Mount Hood already have things put together a little bit. There was mm -hmm. a, a good pod uh, a few weeks ago with Jeff Consam telling some story about Timberline and stuff. It was really cool. About him growing up, like, in the lodge. Like, oh, cool. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it was really cool. Um, so that's kind of the, the direction. Um, and just... I don't know, figuring out beyond that is what's next. Can I take this really quick? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, this is Annie. While Annie takes this phone call, we'll take the opportunity to listen to this jam. Oh yeah, you hear that? This is what it sounds like on the podcast when we have advertisers. I'm talking to you people who sell things that supply the mountain resort industry. This is your spot. This is where you can tell us what you've got to sell us. Maybe you're in the insurance business. Maybe you sell shiv liners. Maybe you sell ski lifts or snow cats or signs or shovels. Whatever it is you've got, this is your spot. If you want to get your ad on here, email podcast at pnsaa.org. Now let's go back and see what Annie's phone call was all about. Okay, thank you. Bye-bye. Oh. Ordered some stuff for our adventure van and it's delayed. Uh, no adventure <laughs> Got stuck you. at customs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Can't live in Bend without an adventure van. Not at all no. these days. Sorry. <laughs> Customs, that's the perfect uh, the tariff situation and what it's, you know, the threat to goggles and coats and skis and stuff right. like that. That's a real thing right now. Mm -hmm. That's a whole episode. I know, that would be, yeah, that would be an interesting one. Yeah, there's kind of a myriad ways to go with that. It would be neat to, to do deep, like you were saying, mini-series on histories of the resorts, but I'm wondering if you couldn't do mini-series on, like, there's so many topics you could touch on in a little mini-series, just like dive deep into tariffs. Yeah. You know, or dive deep into, um, God, I don't know, just uh, management. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh, the other thing that kind of to coincide this is, since we're an educational nonprofit and our conference is a, is a big part of this, in a way, this pod is kind of an extension of the conference mm -hmm. for those that can't go and just oh, yeah. keep it kind of going year round, not just the three days in April. Yeah, if you're not at the conference, then you don't benefit anything from it. But if you are, you going to broadcast some of the conference? I could. I think we, so. We have a keynote at the conference, and that's always a challenge to find an appropriate keynote that's mm -hmm. applicable to the, like you were showing me earlier, the list of the 50-acre ski area. Yeah. And the 6,000-acre ski area. Yeah. So what Annie's talking about here is when I had first walked up before we started recording, she was tidying up a project she was working on, uh, and had a list of all the resorts in Oregon by skiable acreage, by lift, uh, all that. Uh, so it's pretty cool to. See see uh, that list showed that there are 12,090 skiable acres at Oregon ski resorts. Keynotes are, are a challenging thing to come up with, but doing a live recording of the Ground Up series, get, uh, I don't know, anybody from the, the museum in Washington, the Ski and Snowboard Museum in Washington or whatever, and tell one of those foundation stories yeah. during the lunch hour or something mm -hmm. as part of the, that thing, I think could be a cool thing at the conference. Cool. There's there's definitely ways we can integrate it. Yeah. Doppelmeyer, Palma, like so lift manufacturers, they'll put out periodically a service update mm -hmm. on things, and I think it'd be cool to either get them, just call them on the phone and, hey, read me your service update 
update or call a lift maintenance manager yeah and say do you have this this service update just came out you have that lift what's this mean for you and we didn't talk about it, it interesting thing. yeah yeah especially for people who are in that field yeah i can't imagine there's a lot of if any podcasts that are directly oh that's what that's what i was talking about is so since we're education mm-hmm. um I am not concerned in the least about being the best podcast or being competitive and, and whatever, because there's a lot of pods out there. It yeah. is a crowded field. There's pods that are uh, your background, big mountain skiing, big extreme stuff, things mm-hmm. like that. And there's there's t- so many of those and great interviews, and that's already out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Wintry Mix Pod is also doing really good. I used yeah. to work with AK. Um, I like that pod a lot. And he keeps changing the format up. And this is, I mean, I'm kind of inspired by that one a little bit. I've yeah. been thinking about this for a long time also as he was kind of launching and changing his iterations, his iterations of that. So on our website, I'm going to put a podcast library of all those types of things. Mm-hmm. And maybe not just ski stuff. Maybe it's business related stuff. I listen to a lot of pods. Yeah. And as everybody has maybe a minimum of a half hour bus ride or car ride to work in the morning. Yeah. Captive audience. Time yeah. for you to listen either to this one or whatever. Go to the website. Just curious. There's lots of those. Curating and handling yeah, that. Yeah, and I'm happy to, you yeah. know, to help promote any of those. It's fine with me. I like it. Yeah, totally. That's cool. What else pod thoughts from your, your journalistic um, brain? My pod thoughts are, I honestly think like interviews with the GMs is super interesting. One, one of the things I think that is really interesting about Oregon ski areas and Washington ski areas is the winter camping aspect of it. I think that's super cool. That might be like an interesting topic is uh, like how many people are doing it above the radar and below the radar and like what are the liabilities and like what's the growth potential for winter camping, you know, because there are, I wrote an article about it, not outside of like ski uh, Oregon stuff, but um, it's interesting because a lot of resorts have winter camping, but they don't necessarily want it to be on the record, you know, so yeah. it's kind of. And then resorts like Mel Bachelor have, you know, hookups and like reservations. And yeah. I think that is an interesting topic. Yeah. Hoodoo too. Hoodoo's got to get Hoodoo, RV yeah. scene. Bachelor's throwing their RV scene. That's always a high maintenance. Like you're putting a bunch of vehicles in the way of your snow plows. Yeah. It's a hard thing sometimes. Oh, I got to tell you about my... Okay, I'm not sure if I'm going to do this. <laughs> I was kind of tasked and volunteered because yeah, I enjoyed I it. Say, yeah. um, putting together the end of season like montage videos. Mm-hmm. Started doing it when I was in Park City. But I had this stupid, I don't know. It, it, I feel silly enough talking about it that I'm probably not going to do it. But I had a persona mm-hmm. named Goggy Foggles. Uh, <laughs> I, have a, I have the URL for foggygoggles.com. For foggy, but not Goggy Foggles. No, no, yeah. but I've been sitting on that forever because I love the oh, foggy okay. goggles. Like I was actually going to start a... Yeah. But so Goggy Foggle, that's so funny. Goggy Foggles was yeah. a, just over the top. Uh, thought he was way better than he was. That's that was hilarious. the persona, like the master expert that actually knew nothing. Yeah. Um, oh, that's hilarious. I, I remember how he even came up. So it wasn't, it was me and a, a couple buddies as lift ops mm-hmm. in Park City sitting around on the shacks and maybe we're listening to the radio or something and we're making fun of. It doesn't matter what, sometimes it doesn't matter like what you're saying. If you have a title behind you, like if you're a professor and you're talking about whatever you're like, immediately you're respected like, oh, this is what you're saying. Shouldn't even be questioned. Mm -hmm. We were making fun of that of like, just because you have a title doesn't mean we can't question you. So we came up with the master professional. Don't don't even question him. So (laughs) the video, the video, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't bring that that part of him back, but a segment, like, am I the host? That's what I want to talk about Mm -hmm. is the host. Am I the host as me? Am I the host as Goggy Foggles? Which could be kind of fun. And I was even hesitant um, to be the host and talk about myself because I really don't want this to be about me. It's about the employees. It's about the ski areas. Um, 
and I was just shying away from that completely. And then I got talking with some of our other marketing directors around some mountains and you gotta have that. You gotta have some sort of house by it. Yeah. And I, and I get that. So is it me? Is it Goggy Foggles? Or is Goggy Foggles a segment at the end? So maybe the closing segment is um, chairlift thoughts with Goggy Foggles. Mm -hmm. And then there could be a subset of that when I'm out skiing at resorts, chairlift talk. So I just bust the mic out, sitting on the chair and talk with guests, talk with whoever's on the chair and see if they'll let me put that on the pot. So I have that, the segment with Goggy Foggles or is Goggy Foggles the host? I'm so mm, glad I feel like Goggy that. Foggles could be someone, I, I don't know like the background, yeah, but it sounds like someone who yeah. is like, like you were saying, self-assured that they know exactly what's going on. Yeah. And it could almost just be a super spoofy, um, avoid spoof on something that drives people nuts about ski areas that, you know, could just be a little monologue. You know, like maybe it's the guy who's racing up to the mountain and passing everybody on the way up to Mount Bachelor. Yeah, that's but tough. getting there at the same time as everybody else, you know, just like spoofing something that maybe you are sort of aware of in the back of your head and then for someone to like call it out, yeah. you know, you'd be like, oh, that does drive me nuts, you know, yeah, or something. That was, got, that was totally Goggy Foggles. Yeah, like maybe. Yeah, the voice, so the voice went like this. Shouldn't do this. I'm Goggy Foggles. <laughs> he would introduce himself like that a lot and didn't know it all. And a onesie, I was wearing the cross gloves, like it was. It reminds me of that guy, dog, something dog that always gets first chair at every ski area in Colorado. I had to interview him once and he's like, no, it's dog with three G's. And I was like, serious right now? <laughs> like, I can't remember his first name, but he gets like this year, even I saw he got like first chair at like Keystone or whatever resort, like pulled out Shady, no, A Basin. A Basin. Yeah. He's yeah, like, pulled the, oh, you yeah. opening tomorrow? Keystone, we're opening today. That was pretty <laughs> For an hour. <laughs> Um, I like the idea of it though. I think it's funny. I think that I, I, I mean, like you know that um, how they built it yeah. at the end when they do that little like just little thing at the very end where they like highlight some product really quick. Yeah. Or like catch up with like some product that you might have heard of before. I, I like those little like segments. I think that's like yeah. to stick around for. Like when I was a magazine editor, you'd always try to have a couple things on a page. You know, like one big block of text. But if somebody doesn't want to like stop and read that big block of text, you have two little like a. A pull quote and a, a sidebar, you know. So there's something for some. And correspondence too. Like I would love. I want this to be built by all the staff. Mm -hmm. So we'll set up the, you know, the email, the texting line, everything to send me, record your voice on your phone, whatever you got, and I'll be able to pick stuff. And it'd be awesome if I could develop other like correspondence. Yeah. Like from areas. Okay. They, I think that's cool. One thing I think I'm nervous about is maybe it's just my own interest level. Is <laughs> just the same. By the time I'm at episode 15 and I've already done. 14 departments and is it just the same questions and does it become boring of me just asking kind of the same thing because it is all kind of the same like you got to have start middle and end of of how your department works but the people stories too is like it's not just about how this department works but okay you're the manager or you're the third year yeah. or you're the first how did you get here like that's, that's a, a big that's part. That's always a good question. That's yeah. a big how part did you get here? to tell their stories not just the story. And then maybe where do you want to go? Yeah. Yeah. You know yeah, it's yeah. like you're probably not at the end of your career path right now or like do you even think about it or why is this career good for you? Like, why does this work for you right now? Like, why is being a lifty good for you right now? All right. I got to cut us off from that conversation with Annie Fast because the audio is just getting too unruly. And I'm not going to spend any more time in editing to clean it up. And not just because the source file sucked. And not just because I'm lazy. Think back to my first day on the job as a lift operator. Think back to your first day on the job at your ski area. 
aren't you performing at a higher level now than you were then? Same, same. The first episode, this one, consider it my first day on the podcast job. I know I'm going to get better at it as time goes on, as I do it more. Of what you've already heard, there's plenty I'm not 100% satisfied with. In addition to the audio engineering that I'm not pro at, I don't like that I sound like I'm reading, even though I am reading. I'm going to get better. For now, I'm just setting the table. Even that. That is four times in this episode that I've used the term setting the table, which means I've used up my allowance of that term for life. If you see me in real life and I use that term, I owe you a beer. The pod is going to get better with time. Let's move on. Let's recap some of what we're doing here. Maybe you missed some things in the crappy audio with Annie Fast. We're starting a podcast for ski area operators and employees in the Northwest. We're going to use the tried and true method of how we navigate our ski areas and apply it to how we navigate our podcast. This means that when possible, we will identify green circle, blue square, and black diamond episodes, annotating their complexity. Although I have a feeling many of them are going to turn into all mountain episodes with elements of each level of difficulty. We'll see. I'm making it up as we go. The bulk of the first many episodes are going to detail how each department of your average ski area works, functions, sleeps, lives. We're going to have off-piste episodes where we will learn about unexpected but interestingly related facets of the mountain resort industry. If you don't get it yet, we're going to be as punny as possible. Black Diamond episodes, off-piste episodes. If there's a ski area term, we're going to parallel it into a podcasty storytelling term. In addition, ambitiously, and in what will likely take a very long time before it's completed, we're going to have a mini-series within the pod. It's called the Ground Up series, where we will tell the story of how each ski area in the region came to be. It was dirt and trees and water, and it still is all those things, only now with ski lodges and fireplaces and community and special use permits issued and administered by the U.S. Forest Service, for the majority of the ski areas at least. Although we will also meet some areas that are on private land or other public land that is not national forest land, it's going to be really interesting. But as I said, it's going to take a while to complete. It will go faster if you, the marketing director at your ski area, does the heavy lifting and is ready with a story to tell when I bring my mic. Okay, that is the content format that the mountain will be. But hold on, I need something else of you. Did you hear those beeps in our intro? Did you hear them again later on in the episode, like just now? Do you know what those sounds are? You've heard them before, or at least something like them. Maybe in the form of a bell. If you have worked outside in mountain operations, you know what it was. If you haven't, you might not. Well, I'll tell you, that beep is symbolic. Not just here on the pod, but on the real life mountain as well. They are themselves 
a communication device. I recorded them while standing in front of ski lift controls and pushing a button. Have you ever been standing on the loading ramp of your favorite chair and the chair stopped? And then the lift operator pushed a sequence of control buttons, likely involving that beep sound, and then the lift started? Or perhaps you've been in that rare situation where you are riding the chair and almost to the top unloading ramp and the chair stops. So there you are, hanging on the chair, skis or board just inches above the ground, and yet you can't get off. That is until you hear a sequence of beeps and then the chair moves again. Those beeps are the native language of the lift operator. Did you notice how they likely didn't pick up the comm phone and speak with one another? Maybe they did, but you probably heard beeps. How did the operator at the drive terminal, the one who starts the lift, know that there was not a monoskier or some other type of slider in the pit at the bottom? How did they come to feel good about starting the lift because they knew no one was in the way of the chair? Lucky for you, I'm fluent in lifty, so I'll translate for you. They probably pushed a beeper button. That beep was a question to the operator on the other end of the line. You heard beep beep, but what the operator heard was, hey, can I start this chair? Are you all clear down there? Listen again. Did you hear it? And then the operator on the other end of the line, the one who heard the beep, they beeped back in the same way. This time, their beep meant, yeah, no one or no thing is in the way on this end. Go ahead and start. And then the chair moved and you got off. They will often beep at each other again after the chair has started. This time, it's to ask if the other end is ready to turn up the speed. Because ski lifts, when started, start on the slowest speed and have to manually be turned up. Now, the number of beeps at any given mountain might vary slightly, or again, maybe it's a bell. Whatever it is, it's a language. It kind of meant, hey, are you ready for what's next? I'm going to use that beep when applicable to cut up different segments of episodes. So when you hear the beeps, you know we're starting or you know that we're moving on to something else. Got it? I told you I was going to be punny. You didn't know a pun could be a sound, did you? All right. Well, all that is to say there are other unique sounds at your ski area. Sounds that only mean something to you or your coworker. I'm sure of it. I'm talking to you, ski school, ski patrol, rentals, food and beverage, grooming, parking, everyone else. Start thinking about sounds. What are you thinking of that you can send me or point me towards that we can make part of the pod? When you hear it, you undeniably know what it is, and your friend who works at the hardware store or marketing firm would have no clue. We aren't concerned about them. This is your pod. Let's make it sound like your job. What does your job sound like? Send it to podcast at pnsaa.org. Follow that chair on out. Come on out to that red line. How y'all doing today? Good, how about you? Oh, it's living the dream, you know. It's another beautiful day in paradise.
Here comes that chair, guys. Enjoy. Chairlift thoughts, inspired by Goggy Foggles. All right, everybody, it's time for me to get out of here and let you get on with your day. So I'll leave us here with our first chairlift thought. While sitting on a fixed grip triple, I think it was, I wondered with the hundreds of thousands of podcasts on iTunes and Google Play, SoundCloud, and wherever, why is it so hard for me to find the pods that are for me? I also thought, I have a 30 minute commute to work each day as do most ski area employees, and that's a perfect time frame to feed my brain with either something educational or something entertaining. If only there was a one-stop shop to go and learn about podcasts that filter out all the noise and ones that are applicable to both the dirtbag and the ski industry professional. After thinking on this for a while and also hatching the idea to create the mountain, I made the one-stop shop. Head on over to pnsaa.org and check out the podcast library. There you will find categories of pods that I think you might dig. You can find this pod there, but also lots of other good ones. Check it out. Let me know if your favorite pod needs to be in the podcast library as well. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button so the next episode pops up on your feed. I'll see you next time here on the mountain. You are drinking some algae <laughs> straight off the space station. <laughs> Chai. Matcha. Matcha. <laughs> Trying to cut back on the coffee. But yeah. It's not the best look.